Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 292 for April 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On this week's show, the Washington Commanders have new owners, and quarterback Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles becomes the latest, highest-paid player in the NFL. In this week's history lesson, we tell the history of of the 1983 to 1985 USFL. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. What a packed week for some football news. There's been a lot of things coming out just today that I added to the script. A packed it? week for football scores? How yeah. are we going to fit this into a show that's under an hour? <laughs> we probably won't. We better get started, so uh, pipe down over there. Oh, wow. <laughs> We come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. We're also on Amazon Music, so you can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast. So let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That's right. We have 20 games Ooh. this week. I think that's up. Five games from last I week. I think so. Um, so 20 games. Uh, it's our new record as of right now. We yep. haven't gone back since Randy started keeping track a week ago. Well, <laughs> well no, it's, it's never been this many because we it, every week we keep adding another league. Yeah. Now we've got the... The USFL started up this USFL week. USFL so, started so this week. That's four games. And, four more games. And then one of these leagues must not have had a full league on by because we have an extra game. Anyway, we're going to start with the XFL. It was week nine. Two weeks remaining. Now one week remaining in their season. Right. But going into this weekend... A lot of playoff jockeying, a lot of divisions up for grabs. Yep. Even we were confused on teams that had already clinched. We thought clinched divisions, but apparently didn't. Uh, that's just what happens when you love the world of football. There's just so much out there that Randy can get a little confused. Uh, okay. I'm not arguing. That, I'm just... <laughs> that's my takeaway from that. Anyway, Saturday was a doubleheader in the XFL, seeing the Houston Roughnecks defeat my Vegas Vipers 28-21. Another close game for the Vipers. Another close game, but man, we just couldn't pull it out. Houston quarterback Brandon Silvers completed 16 passes for 105 yards and two interceptions, while Vegas court... Wow, you you didn't even go as far as to name the quarterback in these notes. I didn't even... (laughs) Vegas quarterback completed 27 passes for 249 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Wow. That's that's how the scripts get written over here, folks. (laughs) Randy puts in Vegas quarterback, and he tries to remember the name later. Yeah, well, I I had so many uh, uh, quarterbacks to talk about. I'll I'll explain that a little bit later. But my main point when I was writing this down was that the Vegas quarterback uh, had so much better stats in a losing cause yeah, than did. the starting quarterback. He looked good, too, when yeah. I was watching the game. Yeah, 249 yards for the losing quarterback and two touchdowns, and the winning quarterback had 105 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. So don't you know the quarterback of your own team? Uh... After we <laughs> traded away Luis Perez, uh, I'm that's, not going to lie. That's, true. that's uh, true. It was it was tough seeing him go, so I've, I've kind of been uh, a little bummed about it. But uh, McClendon. 
Uh, okay. Jay McClendon. I can't. They don't have his first name right here on the app. I like yeah. found him on the app. Well, see, that's that was the problem I had today when I was looking up USFL stats. They would have it on one page, you know, how many yards and everything, and it would just have their first initial and their last name. And so I had to go back to the team roster to find the person's first name because they didn't have it all in one place. So, yeah, that was a little difficult. Jalen McClendon. Okay. Uh, man, I finally found it. Yeah, you'd think I'd know my quarterback's name at the top of my head, but I didn't. And you'd think Randy would put that in the show notes, but he didn't. I didn't. But here we all are. All right, anything else from that first game? I'm just trying to make you look bad, and it yeah. succeeded. And uh, with the Roughnecks winning, um, I believe that officially secured them the South Division. Am I wrong? I believe, I believe that's what so. it did. Yes. Um, so the Roughnecks will host a playoff, the, the South Division Championship game in a couple weekends. All right, then we're going to go over to San Antonio, where uh, both the, well, in the South Division, you got the Brahmas and the Renegades kind of fighting for that uh, other spot to fight. Or play against the Roughnecks in the playoffs. Right. Uh, so San Antonio came out over the Orlando Guardians with a 25-23 victory. San Antonio quarterback Jack Cohn completed 25 passes for 302 yards and a touchdown. And uh, wide receiver Nick Holly caught four passes for 105 yards. While quarterback uh, for the Orlando Guardians, uh, Quentin Dormady, completed nine passes for 47 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. While running back Devin Darrington ran the ball 16 times for 133 yards and a touchdown. So a good game between a couple of teams that are, you know, on the lower end of their division. The Guardians, and uh, we'll talk about the standings in a bit, but uh, the Brahmas are still technically in it. Yeah, going into the last week. Couldn't believe that when they kept saying that the Brahmas were still in it after they, they uh, won that game. And uh, I'm looking at the numbers down on that. Okay, yeah, I suppose technically they're they're a game behind the second place team. So. You know, depending on what happens this next weekend, yeah. we could see the Brahmas in the playoffs with four wins. We could. Hmm. All right, then on the Sunday doubleheader, the D.C. Defenders clinched the North Division and secured the North Division Championship in their building in front of a sellout crowd, mind you, hmm. uh, over the Arlington Renegades 28-26 in overtime. The 18,684 in attendance in D.C. was, in fact, a sellout. Their first sellout of, uh, I think, the team's history. Yeah. Uh, DC quarterback Jordan Ta'amu mm-hmm. completed Very 14. Good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, completed 14 <laughs> passes for 188 yards and two touchdowns. While Arlington quarterback, oh, this one stings, Luis Perez, uh, completed 31 passes for 335 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Great stats uh, from Luis Perez, and, but, but not a win. No, it's <laughs> weird how some like the stats don't. Yeah. Determine who wins. I mean, yeah. it's a team effort, really, especially the XFL. Stats are very misleading. Uh, and then on Sunday, the Seattle Sea Dragons defeated the St. Louis Battlehawks 30-12. to Seattle quarterback Ben DiNucci completed 21 passes for 260 yards and two touchdowns, while wide receiver Ja'Core Pearson caught seven passes for 115 yards and a touchdown. He has been the best receiver, I think, in the league this entire season. Mm. Uh, St. Louis quarterback A.J. McCarron returned after missing last week's game with an injury and completed 18 passes for 186 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. And I'm not even going to comment on the little flub you made there uh, in the notes. Yeah. That's just for us. You did fine. You you uh, yeah. you saw that. You kept going. You even you, There's two of them, actually, in that last sentence there that you messed up. But I gracefully handled that and didn't bring it up at all in front of thousands of listeners out there. Yeah, well, yeah, tens of listeners. But, um, yeah, 
I did not realize that I had to go through and get all the stats uh, until, you know, just a few hours ago for the USFL quarterbacks as well as the XFL. And so that was a little uh, uh, hard to, to get all that together in time for the show today. Mm. But <laughs> I'm playing a mini violin over here for you. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to quickly look at the standings. And I have a gripe with the XFL over these oh, standings. No. And we'll get to that in a second. But here we go. We're going to run down the North standings real quick for everybody. The DC Defenders, who clinched that division, are at 8-1, and one, followed by the St. Louis Battlehawks and the Seattle Sea Dragons at 6-3 and three going into the last week of the season. Uh, man, could we deal with a, a tiebreaker between those two after next weekend? We'll find out. And the Vegas Vipers at 2-7. and seven. Yeah, weren't you reading that, that uh, depending a, on, on how things, if they want to There's a the laundry same, list of tiebreakers. They've tie got to go down to the fourth or fifth tiebreaker. They're down to the fourth or fifth tiebreaker yeah. at this point. So okay, they're it's, just even on everything. Pretty much. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then in the south, the Houston Roughnecks are at 6-3, and three and they clinched the south division. The Arlington Renegades are at four and five. The San Antonio Brahmas at three and six, and the Orlando Guardians at one and eight. And now here's my big problem, and I think I kind of have the same deal with the USFL as well, which we'll get to. But since the XFL is about to hit their playoffs, here's my gripe: you have eight teams. I get it. You geographically got two divisions. Sure. Um, uh, I understand that completely. But at the same time, some good team, a good team, at least one, the Battlehawks or the Sea Dragons are going to get left out of the playoffs with an above 500 record. While it looks like a team with a sub 500 record could likely, uh, will likely make the playoffs. Even if Arlington wins, they'll be five and five to get into the playoffs. Mm. So that's a team at 500. If they right. lose and get in, or even if the Brahmas get in, that's a sub 500 team. Right. Why is the XFL not doing a top four teams? Maybe the division winners ought to get auto bids, uh, but. It should just be the top four teams, should it not? Well, maybe they should do it. If you're like... going to be an eight-team league, like, come on. Like, you're leaving a good team out. Like, the Sea Dragons and Battlehawks are two teams that we would love to see yes. compete. Yes. But one of them is going to get sent home. With a league this small, I don't like it. It's different in the NFL when you've got four divisions of, you know, four teams in a conference and you play it like that. There's a little more wiggle room for, hey, every once in a while a team with a sub-500 record might win their division and get in. But for the most part, a sub-500 team doesn't get into the playoffs. It's very rare, but it's such a small league. It just Why wouldn't you try to at least get the best four teams in? Well, I, I don't think they really thought about that. I mean, this is the, you know, the... Well, this is the second year for, this, for the XFL. Technically, but I mean, <sighs> with this group, I still just don't agree with it. I think... I get it. Maybe geographically it makes sense. Like, so for the playoff, you're even saving on travel there, maybe, but... Yeah. I just think for the playoffs, if you want the four best teams, you're, you're a spring league that's still growing your fan base. Why not just give your four best teams? Well, to answer this problem, you have to once again go up to the Paul Cana Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Go up to the oh. Canadian Football League, where they have a crossover team. If uh, if one of your teams in the other division is better than the one in in the op opposing division, they can cross over and take a playoff spot because they have a better record than anybody else. I don't. That's because they're uneven. That's the only reason that happens. Um, I even I don't know if I love the crossover spot. Like mm. maybe in the past I said I did, and it's cool sometimes. But there's times where it's just like, why it shouldn't even be there? In the it makes first for place. better playoffs. And but in the in the um, XFL, you know they've they've got one one week of playoff games, two games, yeah, one for each division, and then it's the championship. Game. And that's what I'm saying. Like, why wouldn't so, you want the fact that we're not either going to get a Battlehawks team or a Dragons team in those playoffs? Yeah. 
it, it's kind yeah. of a bummer. One of them is going to have a winning record, and they're not going to be in the playoffs. Both of them are going to have winning records, and one of them will not be in the playoffs. Well, yes, they'll both have winning records, but whichever one has a losing record, or or whichever one doesn't make it, is going to have a, a winning record still. That's what I'm saying. I know. But, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. I was wondering, where the, why are we arguing? We're not. Okay. I'm agreeing with you. All right. Well, stop it. All right. We're moving on. Uh, The USFL kicked off its 2023 campaign, and I have to admit, I was very excited this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being Michigan Panthers fans, you know, we had to deal with a very rough season last year, and... uh, But I just think the league as a whole, I thought the USFL did a good job going, you know, in year one. Now here we are year two. So they've improved a lot of things. Some rules we'll talk about later. But let's talk about the actual game on the field. On Saturday, the Philadelphia Stars defeated the Memphis Showboats 27-23 in the Memphis Showboats' first game after moving from Tampa Bay to become the Showboats. Uh, Stars quarterback Case Cookus completed 20 passes for 212 yards and three touchdowns. He also led the team in rushing with 31 yards on seven carries. He did look rather good in that game. Showboats quarterback Brady White completed 16 passes for 182 yards and two touchdowns. That Memphis crowd was pretty good. Uh, we'll talk about the crowds here in a second, but you know that first game was in Memphis. Um, they looked like they only sold like one side of the stadium. Yeah, they had uh, they had those uh, cloth things or those uh, fabric things over uh, well, like the end zone and several other sections. But even that, I mean, it was just weird. I don't know if that was just because the cameras were set up on one side, so they were just like, "Well, let's just sell out the other side mainly." Yeah. It is a b- rather big stadium. I'm not sure what the capacity is at the top of my head, but I mean, we've, we've been there. We've, yep, we've been there. It is. And it, it, it is, is huge. a it's a big stadium. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, and then on Saturday, the Birmingham Stallions, your defending USFL champions, defeated the New Jersey Generals 27-10. to This game was a 10-10 to at one point, so the Stallions ran away with it there at the end, uh, scoring 17 unanswered. Uh, Stallions quarterback Jamar Smith completed 10 passes for 260 yards and a touchdown, while the Generals uh, quarterback, former CFL quarterback Dakota Prukup, who you saw in the Grey Cup last year, Completed 13 passes for 148 yards and no touchdowns. But the Birmingham Stallions, boy, do they look like the team to beat again this year. Well, I don't know, because the next game you're going to talk about uh, is uh, a team that uh, just might uh, knock them off their feet. Was that or wasn't that an intentional way to kind of segue into this next game? I'll never tell. But the next game that Randy's alluding to is... The Michigan Panthers defeating the Houston Gamblers 29 to 13. Even we were surprised at this outcome. Yeah, we, uh, we watched pretty much this whole game. Yeah. I mean, I, I caught parts of some of the other games, but I, I really wanted to watch the Panthers game. Yeah, of course. I was not disappointed. Oh, well, Panthers found a quarterback in Josh Love, uh, who also happened to be named Offensive Player of the Week this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the game, he completed 18 of 20 passes for 215 yards and three touchdowns. That's a 90% completion rate. Yeah, only those out two there, passes which, the whole game. Which is apparently a league record at 90%. So, I mean, 18 out of 20, I mean, that is pretty impressive. Yep. Um, but, yeah, he threw three touchdown passes, and he looked sharp. I, he did. I was like, I wasn't sure what to expect from this guy, but I he already looks like an upgrade from Shea Patterson last oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, he looked really good out there. While wide receiver Joe Walker caught six passes for 105 yards and a touchdown for the Panthers. For the Houston uh, Gamblers, though, quarterback Kenji Bahar completed 13 passes for 100, 109 yards and two interceptions. These two teams were so even for most of the game, uh, but the Panthers' defense really came up a couple times with a couple of big plays, uh, capitalized on a couple of uh, 
Kenji Bahar mistakes. And, you know, had it not been for some, maybe some dumb Michigan penalties there at a few points during the game, this actually probably could have been a runaway, like even more of a runaway victory for the Panthers than it ended up being. They tightened some of that stuff up. The Panthers might be, I'll say might for right now, because it's only week one, might be uh, your next in line favorites behind the Stallions after week one. Let's not get too carried away. Yeah, I thought uh, Kenshi Bahar uh, looked pretty good out there. He looked good at times, but yeah. there were times where either his offensive line just couldn't help him out, or he made some really uh, iffy throws, or a ball just got tipped. So I won't put everything on him, but we'll see how the he and the gamblers improve going forward. Okay. And then your Sunday night game for the USFL was another good one. Uh, New Orleans, the New Orleans Breakers defeated the Pittsburgh Maulers 22 to 15. Former CFL quarterback McLeod Bethel Thompson the, uh, was the quarterback there for the Breakers. He completed 23 passes for 302 yards and a touchdown. And in my opinion, was some of the most mature presence I'd seen in the USFL in the last couple of years. Yeah. He, it was very clear and very evident how much patience, control, and just how calm he was during certain things that were happening during Experience. that game. And, and the fact that this league, you know, like USFL and the XFL both have the players mic'd up. They got the review thing kind of going on. As far as the presentation wise, I'd give it to the XFL mm. for some of the presentation of these things. But I mean, the USFL in year two of doing it, I, I think it was fine, mm. but I'm so glad that they honed in on McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yep. It was it was just great because I think you know you and I actually caught that game together. We were watching the beginning of the game because yeah, we, we mainly wanted to see Bethel Thompson. Right. Yeah, I wanted to see him. And play. just from the get go, when they had him mic'd up and you hear him talking and orchestrating that offense and talking to the coaches and getting guys lined up, it wasn't a clean game for him the whole time. But you could just tell that that experience really matters. And the Breakers could be another team to watch out for if they. Get a lot of yeah. things clicking. Well, that's who I said last week. I think yep. he's going to win it all this year, just based on McLeod Bethel Thompson. And you know, they showed his wife on the sidelines, and their and their little was it baby girl. Like, was it? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's. And maybe, and we we didn't really talk about it because we were wondering what would have brought him to the USFL after you know playing in Canada for all these years, winning two Grey Cups. Yeah. Could it be that maybe his wife couldn't go to Canada? Maybe there was something up there. There was, that's what know. that tweet alluded to that. I saw somebody share about uh, him and his family after the game, you know, you, they were there watching the game, watching him play. Maybe they just couldn't make it to Canada for some reason. And this is a way for him to actually play in front of his family. I don't know a hundred percent. That's yeah. just kind of what I took from that picture. I could be very wrong. I will admit that. Um, but anyway, back to the game for the Maulers quarterback, James Morgan and quarterback Troy Williams. That's right. There's two quarterbacks for the Maulers combined. <laughs> I want to put some emphasis on that. Combined to complete a total of 10 passes for 81 yards and no touchdowns. And that's why they lost. <laughs> I mean, the, the Mullers look sharp. I mean, those uniforms look good on the field. Well, but, they did. But, yeah, they're not good on the scoreboard. I mean, had it not also been for that fumble uh, on the one-yard line that got them their lone touchdown, well, I won't say their lone touchdown, but that got the Mullers the lead there for a bit, I mean... It was all field goals. It was all defense pretty much for the Maulers. Uh, uh, it just, they could be a team that, I mean, they've slightly improved from last year. That's what I wanted to see going from year one to year two is seeing how do the Maulers and Panthers improve after being the two worst teams in the league last year? Uh, how did the, some of the best teams look, the Stars and the uh, Stallions look? And for the most part, it's, well, the good teams are still good. And those terrible teams, 
might have improved. Mm -hmm. uh, the Maulers will see if they can get it together and actually put some wins. But the Panthers looked very well, you know, much improved. I think the league as a whole looked improved. They added those new rules again, which we'll talk about later. I just think overall weekend number one, I think the USFL looks like it's going to be a fun time the next nine weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, uh, winding down on the XFL and uh, ramping up on the USFL. And that inevitable day in a year or two when the USFL and XFL meet up <laughs> for what we're going to call the World of Football Championship game. Oh, yeah, game. right, yeah. Yeah, we should sponsor that right now. Let's get the best <laughs> team in the XFL, best team in the USFL, and play the World of Football Championship. Could you just imagine it, Randy? T take a walk down delusional lane with me for a second as Adam and Randy stand side by side with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, Daryl Johnson, Kurt Menefee, and all the guys that, you know, for those two broadcast teams, and we just watch a great championship game between well, the XFL and the We're going to do the coin toss, aren't we? Oh, my God. If you're, <laughs> you're going to stroll down Delusional Road and all you want to do is do the coin toss, then you, my friend, are greatly mistaken. We at least got to do the radio play-by-play -play broadcast oh, or maybe. even the television broadcast. You look like a, a white Kurt Metaphy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, that's I, true. That's a bad comparison. He's way more handsome than you. I have a face that screams to be on the radio, so uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do television. All right, are we are we done with that? Can we move on right. to the can indoor we, leagues? Can we pull off of Delusional Road and back onto Indoor Football League Boulevard, 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 <laughs> where it is week five in the Indoor Football League? Here, uh, we had three games on Saturday. The first being the uh, the Frisco Fighters defeating the Massachusetts Pirates, fifty six to thirty nine. Then you had the Quad City Steam Wheelers come out and defeat the Tulsa Oilers 68-42 to as we wait to see if those Tulsa Oilers can get their first victory as an IFL team. The Arizona Rattlers got a victory over the Duke City Gladiators 48-37 to to round out Saturday night. Then the triple header on Sunday saw the Green Bay Blizzard defeat the Sioux Falls Storm 47-41. to the Northern Arizona Wranglers um, showed up, and I don't think the San Diego Strike Force did because they won 48 to 9. I believe this, I think the Strike Force only had two points going into halftime. Yeah, you, you, you said something about it, you know, getting close to halftime, and, and uh, they'd only scored two points, and the other team had, what, 20 something? Yeah, if you follow the Indoor Football League on either Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, you know, all those places, they usually post halftime update scores, right. you know, in a good little. Uh, I like what the indoor football league does graphic wise and yeah. uh, social media wise. I, I I really enjoy that. They really keep you up to date with what's going on. And they like at the halftime score, it's just like oh boy, oh man, that poor strike force team. Yep. And then on Sunday, uh, the final triple header, the Tucson Sugar Skulls defeated the Bay Area Panthers thirty four to thirty mm. on by this week in the indoor football league, the Vegas Nighthawks and the Iowa Barnstormers. And I don't know why I said that that way. The Barnstormers <laughs> is one word. Okay, All right. We're so going to throw I, it over to Randy, who's going to take over the last two indoor leagues we're going to talk right. about. We've got uh, Champions Indoor Football. This was week seven for them, and they had a triple header on Saturday. They The Southwest Kansas Storm defeated the Rapid City Marshals 41-6, to and this dropped the Marshals' record to 0-6 on the season. Uh, let's see. The Omaha Beef improved to 5-0, defeating the Salina Liberty 36-31. And the Gillette Mustangs defeated the Topeka Tropics 48-45. And unfortunately, that dropped the Topeka Tropics to 0-6 on the season also. There were two uh, teams on by this week, the Billings Outlaws and the Sioux City Bandits. And then finally, 
It was week two in the National Arena League. And there was one game on Saturday, two on Sunday. The Saturday game featured the San Antonio Gunslingers defeating the Jacksonville Sharks 63-62 to oh, man. in overtime. Man, we, we started really pulling for those San Antonio Gunslingers. And uh, so good for them. <laughs> and then on Sunday, you had the Albany Empire defeating the Orlando Predators 70-33. to That wasn't much of a victory, more as much as a beatdown. A shellacking, if yeah, you will. Yeah, and uh, let's see. In the last game, it was the Carolina Cobras over the West, West Texas Warbirds 64-62 to in another squeaker. Man. And then on by this week in the NAL, it was the Fayetteville Mustangs because they have seven teams uh, in that league. And that is it. 20 games in this week's World of Football scoreboard. All right. And uh, with that, we so we then send it back to Randy to talk about the news. Yes, let's start with NFL news and the top thing on my list. Uh-huh. Man, yeah. there's a few things. I mean, we mentioned a couple of big, big stories at the top of the show. Uh-huh. What What could you possibly put as your number one story for the NFL news segment? The Detroit Lions unveiled their 90th season logo <laughs> that's going to be worn on their uniforms. And you, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I like the logo. I like the look. And when you saw it, you said something like, oh, I am going to buy so much merch with that logo. Oh, no. They're, not just me. <laughs> you, me. Uh, I want a pin. Brother, and I want a hat. This, and I want a t-shirt. This <laughs> family will be drowning in Detroit Lions 90th anniversary memorabilia. Yeah. Sure, every Lions fan is going to go out and buy as much of this crap as possible. Yeah. It looks good. It's a, it's a good, solid little logo. I know. Why is he freaking out over a logo? Look, I like logos. I like the <laughs> aesthetic of teams and their history. And I think honoring 90 years. Put that yeah. in perspective. 90, 90 years of Detroit Lions football is absolutely crazy. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, we had the Chicago Bears celebrating 100 years. Yep. Arizona Cardinals should have celebrated 100 years. I don't remember them doing a... Did they do a 100th anniversary? I don't thing? remember. They should have. They I'll might be, have. I just I'll don't go remember. Back. The, the Green Bay Packers recently did... Didn't they do a 100th anniversary, too, at some point? So They should have. Yeah, they should have. So, I think they did. But it's just... I love this. You know, we're getting to that point now where a lot of these classic teams, you know, after the Lions, I think, like, what, the San Francisco 49ers, the Washington Commanders, mm-hmm. um, a couple more in there, probably the New York Giants, uh, somewhere in there. You know, all these teams are going to start celebrating. They're one Like, in 10 years, the 100th anniversaries are going to come and go. Right. And it's just going to be absolutely crazy. After the NFL celebrated 100 years, you know, then the Bears, and here we are, the Lions at the 90th. Yeah. I just I just dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, yeah, it's just and because you know the last time they did that patch, it was the seventy fifth anniversary, right? The season they went. Uh, well, I think they did an eightieth also. Mm. Now I've I've got my pin board over here, and I've got a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of pins from all different stuff. I got military pins and whatever. I don't think they made as big a deal out of the eightieth. No, they didn't. But but I have a pin of the sixtieth anniversary and the seventy fifth anniversary of yep. Detroit. I don't have one if if they didn't have one for they the didn't. 80th i'm sure they did they didn't but i don't have a pin the last that, time they commemorated i'm definitely gonna get the yeah. 90th if they have a the pin. last time they commemorated it was the 75th anniversary for okay. whatever reason and that was the season they ended up going oh and 16 yeah uh so i'm hoping the 90th anniversary treats them a little <laughs> better but i can't believe it's been 15 years since the last time that this team has commemorated an anniversary mm-hmm. Um, we'll see, but but yeah, the the logo is pretty cool. I I posted it on uh, Facebook and Twitter, so yeah, and they'll be adding more this Thursday. 
they um, they're teasing something happening where they're going to unveil something at Ford Field. Well, you keep saying helmet, but I I think it's just a uniform tweak. I don't think they're doing anything. I with don't the think helmet. they're doing any tweaks. There, there's a lot of stuff going on. Some people are speculating uniform, but I think they've officially said not a uniform. They did say they will be adding a helmet, but in the video, it's the Lions mascot walking down the tunnel down to Ford Field, the actual field, and that box. I will admit that's why I'm a little confused. I will admit. Looks too big for just a helmet right. reveal. It does look like something you'd carry jerseys in, maybe. But maybe it's two helmets. I don't know. We'll find out Thursday. Another team teasing video, uh, a uniform this Thursday is the Arizona Cardinals might be getting some new uniforms. They'd keep teasing videos saying this Thursday. So be on the lookout for those. We know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are teasing their creamsicle uniforms coming back. Mm. So I'm sure those will get unveiled at some point soon. And I'm not sure what other teams are going to unveil new uniforms this year. But we'll probably talk about it at some point. Um, but, yeah, that's my thoughts on the Lions' 90th anniversary logo. Okay. Well, that was my top NFL news story, so I don't of know course what, it was. what could be any bigger than that. Oh, wait a minute. Well, hold on. I do want to say we were hoping, fingers crossed, for several days that, you know, I hope it's a slow news week so we can put that Lions' 90th anniversary logo on the graphic for oh, the episode because yeah. I like this logo a lot. And then these two big <laughs> things happen, and it's like, well, I guess we have to put these. Yeah. Uh, the Commanders uh, supposedly have new owners, a, a an ownership group led by Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails, uh, and it also includes Magic Johnson, has an agreement in principle to buy the team for a record $6.05 billion. So everybody's talking like this is a done deal, and maybe it is, but they haven't they haven't signed it. They haven't crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, that looks like that's going to happen, so you're going to have new owners, uh, which will include Magic Johnson. Uh, now, Harris, uh, the main owner, uh, is the owner of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL's New Jersey Devils. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, some somebody that knows something about running a couple of sports teams. Yep. So uh, hopefully they will do fine. So congratulations to yep, them. And we know a lot of Commanders fans are probably relieved that this is finally starting to become real. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of them were going, and the new owner of the uh, Commanders is, and they're all shouting, anybody. anybody. <laughs> but yeah, so it's we go from uh, one team making the most, you know, the biggest sale of a franchise in NFL history to the most money an NFL player's gotten in NFL history. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to go back to the, oh, to the like, commander on, nail story the segue. <laughs> nail the segue, Randy. You always do this to me. Uh, go I, forward, not backwards. I, I didn't write it down, but uh, who was the, the last time a team sold? It was like $4.6 billion. I want to say so, yeah. Uh, was that San Francisco or who was that? Denver. I think Denver. Denver, Denver was right, the last Denver. to sell. Yep. So yeah, I think they sold for four point six. So this this blows that out of the out of the water. So this is the you know most uh, expensive sale of a team in the NFL ever. Okay, I guess now we can move on to. Uh... Wow, you get one lame <laughs> sentence in and ruin my transition. Thanks a lot. All right, now we're going to talk about Jalen Hurts. He's only twenty four years old, but uh, he has agreed to a five year. $255 million contract extension with the Eagles. Now, from what I read, $110 million is guaranteed at signing. So I don't know if you would consider that a signing bonus or what. But uh, And then there's another $126.5 million that is fully guaranteed by March of 
2024. I wonder if that's just, uh, you know, if he shows up on the roster, then he gets $126 million for showing up Well, next I year. think that's when his, because his actual contract he's on now still had a couple of years left, didn't it? Oh, well, maybe that's what it is. It's his contract goes through next March. You know, March yeah. is the start of the new year. So yeah. that, that could be. And then there's another $15 million in incentives uh, for his uh, play on the field. And it's also the first no-trade clause in his contract in Eagles history. They've never done a, a contract that had a hmm. no-trade clause on it. But, Interesting. Uh, I guess he, he, he requested that, or maybe the team requested I don't know. but I don't know. And then something I heard that I didn't really realize is his agent, whose name I don't have at the top of my head, she is the first, she's now the first female agent. Like, this is like the biggest mm. contract ever done across any sport that a female agent has orchestrated. Mm. So, like, that's a big deal that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Um, I just think that's fascinating. So, good for her, good for his team, good for Jalen Hurts. I mean, get paid, get your money. The kid is a, a remarkable young talent. I wasn't sure about him the first couple of years in the league. I thought he'd be a flash in the pan and would probably just, you know, like many of the quarterbacks that come out just you know, dissolve into obscurity. But he, he looked great. He got his team to the Super Bowl, and you can't deny he is a talented player that definitely made a difference for that team when he was on on that field. And when he wasn't on the field, his absence was felt. Uh, do you think he deserved it? I mean, this is that carousel that we see every couple of years. Or There's going right. to be a new highest-paid yeah. quarterback. You got Joe Burrow waiting. You got... Um, uh, the kid in Los Angeles waiting to get paid, Justin Herbert waiting to get paid. So you know that those guys are going to get probably more than Jalen Hurts because that's how it goes. But the name everybody's been waiting on, Lamar Jackson, what does this do to him? Uh, yeah, uh, you, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and all you hear is crickets. There's nothing going on. You know, what is he thinking about Jalen Hurts getting this big contract with Before uh, he even gets, all this money guaranteed? Yeah, Jalen Hurts been in the league two or three years. Gets this big contract, and here's Lamar sitting here just like, yep. where's mine? Yeah. But in fairness, now uh, Jalen's got a Super Bowl appearance. Lamar doesn't. That's true. There's so much here that's it's interesting that I don't know if it hurts Lamar's uh, negotiating power or not. Uh, I'm sure he'll still get paid. And apparently there was a deal on the table that he would have made, I think, what uh, – Hertz is set to make like what fifty one a year on average or something. Know. I don't know all the numbers. It, it's all out there. You guys can find it. But that he might have turned down. I'm talking about Lamar might have turned down fifty million a year, like not fifty one million, but he turned down a three year like fifty million dollar a year deal, which would have been absolutely insane. Mm. But and I think he was at one point was guaranteed more money than what Hertz is doing, and still turned it down. So I I'm very curious to see how this Lamar situation gets resolved after what Jalen Hurts is getting. And then we still don't know if Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to exceed that. So well, all well, I can say is Lamar Jackson, Jackson, you should find out who this uh, lady agent's name is and uh, see if you can get her business card. Give her a call. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> it, man. If she can orchestrate this kind of deal, I'd say yes, please. Yeah. Uh, I'll shoot anybody I, could take a, a little bit less than what Jalen's making and should still be happy. Come on, guys. You're just, it's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. And finally, in NFL news, something that just came out a little while ago, Bill's safe, safety, Jamar Hamlin, has Jamar, been... you misspelled that. Oh, I? man. Oh, I did write Jamar. Jamar, Jamar Hamlin. Hamlin. Sorry. Who is I apologize. Jamar Hamblin? <laughs> wow. Hey, I was in a rush when I wrote this. Clearly. <laughs> Jamar Hamblin. Wow. 
Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, has been cleared to resume football act- activities, according to the team's general manager, Brandon Bean. This is great news. It uh, is, but boy, I'd, if, if I were him, I would be, I'd be taking it slow. I, maybe you know, he is. I mean, I, I hope he takes it slow. We'll see. I mean, sure, I'm sure he'll get sparing, you know, play during the uh, training camp mm-hmm. and going forward, and everybody will be watching. And all yeah. you know, that first game back, no matter what city he's in, you're going to see a C of the number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be exciting if and when he gets back out on the field. Uh, I mean, while he's been cleared, is it something he wants to do? Is it something he doesn't? You know, maybe now that he's kind of become more of a social activist kind of thing uh, recently. Like we talked a couple weeks ago about him going to see the president and getting this bill pushed through uh, Congress or yep, getting defibrillators yeah. in high school. Yeah. Like middle what a, what a purpose that is yep. so much greater than football, but at the same time, football is a great platform for that kind of thing that he ended up doing. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately those circumstances got him to that point, you know, uh, being on the field, the way that that went down, but still, very, very cool that he could take that and then build that platform to get that out there and that he's following through. You know, Damar Hamlin, kudos to you. And whatever you decide to do, I'm anxious to see what it is. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great that he's been cleared, you know, uh, medically. Of course. I, I think I heard something about three different doctors oh, checked sure. him out. I'm sure they, they had, all... oh, I'm sure they had to cover oh, their butts yeah, for insurance yeah. purposes too. Oh, yeah, three different doctors said, you know what, he's he's good to go. He's he's fine now. He can he can go back to doing whatever he wants to do. So good for him. All right, a uh, little bit of uh, IFL news. The Indoor Football League announced that CBS Sports will air the next three IFL championship games. Uh, this year's game is going to be played on August 5th in Las Vegas. So, I mean, that's a good thing for the IFL. Yeah, I don't know if they've very... ever had uh, a national TV. I don't know um, if they have either. Uh, deal for their championship game, but they do now and for the next three years. I think they, they were doing like that stadium network, but I don't know how national that yeah. was. Streaming uh... streaming networks are fine, but I still think you, you have to put it on regular old TV, at least for the championship game. And CBS Sports is a good step. You know, the Arena League yeah. was on there for a little bit. Yep. CBS uh, Sports is fine. NBC Sports. Yeah. You know, Fox, whatever, uh, they're all good. So. And I think they also re-up their sponsorship deal with um, whatever that sponsorship is that is with Championship Game now. I forget. What oh, it the is. Dollar General. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because their Championship Game is called the Dollar General National Championship. Yeah, National yeah. Championship Game for the IFL. So good for them. Good for them. Look for look forward to uh, watching the Championship Games on the on regular on TV. A real TV. Yeah, yeah. I like I like watching TV, not my computer. Oh, let's see. Uh, USFL news. Uh, there's a couple of new rules for this season. Uh, kickoffs were moved back from the 25-yard line to the 20-yard line, uh, which we kind of saw that this weekend. They they said they wanted more uh, kickoffs. They like the kickoffs, but they, they want to um, make things a little bit safer. So they tweaked a few things. But the main thing is that they moved it back five yards. So it was interesting. I had no problem with it. it. Just it Yeah, less touchbacks. And, I mean... The, the ball seemed to be brought out to midfield quite a bit. So it kind of did lead to more opportunities like from the get go, you know, getting down and scoring fast. So we'll see if that, you know, how that trend continues. Yeah. They said that last year they had 80% of their kickoffs returned and this year they're shooting for 90% being actually returned and less, uh, you know, touchbacks uh, balls going into the end zone. And then uh, speaking of the end zone, a ball, this is one of the other uh, new rules, a ball that is fumbled out of the end zone no longer results in a touchback for the opposing team. And this makes a lot of sense. The NFL should adopt this immediately. 
uh, the ball will be placed at the spot of the fumble and the offense retains possession because that, that never made sense. If a ball right. gets fumbled out of the end zone, it goes over to the other team. That makes no sense at all. Yeah, I like this rule. I like yeah. this one a lot. I think this is one that's been brought up for a while, even before the USFL changed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way it is if it's in the field of play. If it's fumbled out of bounds, you just you keep the ball, but it right. goes wherever. You know. Why all of a sudden, if no team is able to get possession of it and it just goes out the end zone, why should the other team get it? Yeah. They didn't deserve to get it. Yep. Yep, this makes sense. So I like I like those two new rules, and then they've they've done some other tweaking, uh, you know, something about on uh, on punts, the uh, the gunners have to stay inside the numbers. They can't be so close to the to the um, sideline. They have to stay in closer, and uh, uh, there's a few other things that they've kind of tweaked. Uh, again, I posted a video that came out from the USF yeah. explaining all Good these rules. Good little video. They can explain it better than I can. So you can, you can go to our Facebook and Twitter feeds and, uh, and check out that video from the USFL. It was very good. Uh, also, we were just talking about this a few days ago that, uh, hadn't seen a, an app for the USFL yet. And the day of the first games, boom, there's an app for the USFL. So I think you and I both already downloaded it. Uh, it's not too bad. You can, you know, you can follow the games and it's got some highlights on there. And, uh, um, you know, when it, when they first popped it, popped up, there was nothing to talk about. You know, you had a, a page for each team or whatever. Right. But, uh, now that you've got games that have been played, yeah, you've got stats, you've got, you got highlights, they got, you know, articles like right now they got their power rankings, mm-hmm. uh, after week one. Um, they got the score, you know, they tell you the upcoming games at the top of the screen and what network you can find them on. So it is a good little, uh, good little app, you know, mm-hmm. typical sports app. Yep. Nothing too special, but it's nice if you're a USFL fan and you just want right. to, oh, let's check the times for those games. You have it right there to jump yeah. to. Yeah. And, uh, finally in USFL news, the USFL has signed a deal with upper deck trading cards for exclusive player card rights for the league. Uh, they already talked about you know, putting out some some three card packs uh, of players and whatnot. Boy, you know how you really used to be into playing cards. Uh, collected a lot of them, especially you know like uh, USFL cards. I've got some USFL cards from the '80s. I don't have a complete set, and I really wish I did. But I've got a number of cards there. Got some cards from other leagues, so I'm definitely going to be looking for these upper deck cards for the USFL this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get a few Michigan Panthers cards, maybe a McLeod Bethel Thompson. There's some um, autograph cards, and uh, and I forget uh, what I was reading, but if you collect the entire set, which I don't know if it's like, uh, I don't know how many cards are in the set, but mm-hmm. but you you get in uh, in a drawing for something wow. uh, from the league. So yeah, there's more information. So how many on stores that. are you gonna start scouring for these? Because when the AAF came out with their cards, that oh my god, were you a fiend <laughs> hitting up every like local supermarket like yeah. Meyer and oh, Walmart yeah, and yep. uh, sports card shops? You were I, all you were all over the place. You were on the internet looking for boxes. If I don't have a complete set, I'm pretty darn close to having a complete set. And I did find the Johnny Manziel card. So I have my Johnny Manziel. Uh, I made the cut. That was like that came later. Expert. It did, yeah, because he he got thrown in uh, late uh, in the season, which uh, didn't uh, didn't even finish. But uh, yeah, he came in for the last game or two. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into uh, card collecting and looking for these uh, new USFL cards. That, oh God, uh, getting back into card collecting. Oh man, <laughs> let me tell you a story about card collecting, Randy. It is not a sight to be seen. 
Uh, yeah, I've gone a little overboard you, sometimes. You've been so you've been really good the last few years. I remember when we were just so obsessed with cards. You, you, we used to go. We have a local card shop. We yep. used to go to all the time. Yep. Good little shop. They're still there, and you know, good people over there. But we, man, we just don't go as much anymore. And no, I've kind of we used to have. Well, still technically in a closet behind me here in the, in the <laughs> world of football man cave. It's probably my card collection, just sitting in an old box somewhere that I haven't looked at in years. Well, you know, you buy them, but I don't like to leave them in boxes. I like no. to put them in the, the you plastic put them, you pages, put them in the nice plastics, page, so you can flip through them yeah. and look at them, read the front, I do read too, the back. Because I think I bought. I will admit, I think I also bought some of the AAF cards too, and have my own set that's not complete. I definitely don't have a Johnny Manziel one like you do. And I used to every year, if, if nothing else, I would go to the local card shop and look for. Uh, some of the new Lions rookies. Yeah. But I haven't even done that in the last few years. Yeah, it's tough. I, I'm but, definitely not as into card collecting no. as I used to. I mean, every once in a while, if I see something that looks so really cool, and I'm just like, oh, man, look at that Matthew Stafford card with a piece of jersey in yep. there for only, like, 25 bucks. Oh, I'd do it. <laughs> or like a Barry Sanders, like a classic Barry Sanders-looking one yeah. with an autograph that you're not sure is really Barry Sanders or not, I'd think about no, it. I, I don't do too many autographs. Usually yeah. the novelty ones or like these special league ones that like come in, like when the Arena League came out with, that was like yep. one of the other last big card sets we, yeah. we definitely were obsessed over. Yep. But I think an XFL one or this USFL one, yeah, give me give me a pack. That Those would be cool to collect. Yep. God, I was just at the store this morning and not, not at the card store but i was at a like a grocery store yeah. that also has cards and stuff yeah, the local meyer as yeah. we call it, in the in the midwest yeah that's our go-to and, uh, and i didn't even think to look to see if they had any of these cards yet so well i doubt it I'll i'm be, sure you'll know i'll be looking now start getting your pre-order in on amazon <laughs> actually that's i'm gonna look right now yeah, and but see that if ruins the excitement of going to a store what? coming around the corner and seeing the packs there and just grabbing Four or five of them. Either. You know what? Nothing satisfies satisfies me more than getting the actual cards <laughs> instead of having to stress out about finding them. Uh, the internet is just way too easy. You you, you got to put some footwork in and, and oh, uh, put some footwork in. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not seeing anything on Amazon yet. So oh, but here's a 132 cards with a Matthew Stafford in a Rams jersey on the box. Can't do it. Can't do I it. Can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, maybe maybe one in a couple of years. Here's some old. Oh, here you go. 1984. And as we go off on a tangent, 1984 <laughs> tops USFL football factory set, which includes 132 cards. All right, that's what I wanted. Rookie cards of Jim Kelly, Reggie White, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, and many more. Guess how much this is going for? With OG, oh, color me shocked when it says there's only one left in stock. That's how they get you. How much do you think I that think is? At one time, many years ago, when I was looking at them, uh, it was like $125 for the complete set. Okay, for the complete set, Randy. Uh, you say $100, I'm going to say go I mean, up. Well, $125 okay, is what keep, I Okay, keep going up. And that was years ago. $500. Keep going up. What? No way. Keep going up. $1,000? A little lower. Oh, okay, so it's less than $1,000. $799 oh, and a $9.99 delivery fee. I should have paid the 125 years ago. You should have. <laughs> you fool. All right, let's move on from card talk. Oh my God, how is that not a. I'm sure that's a podcast out there. All right, welcome to card talk. I used to love card talk. Those two guys from New Jersey. Oh my God. You know what? Let's just throw it out there. If there's anybody who wants to do card talk, give us an email. We'll give you a segment on the show to just do football card talk. Right. Frickin' uh, Frack, the card talk yeah, brothers. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. 
I used to listen to those all the time when I was uh, driving across the country to go yeah. see a football grave or something. Yeah. All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, college football news. Simon Fraser University's Football Alumni Association has filed an injunction uh, last week against the school saying that the school is in breach of contract between uh, the school itself and its student-athletes. The injunction was filed on behalf of five current players who seek to undo the university's decision to cancel the 2023 season, which uh, players and alumni criticized because the school's contract with the Division II Lone Star Conference is still active until 2024. Hmm. That makes sense. I, now that, I didn't know this when I first heard about this. All I knew was that uh, Simon, Simon Fraser football team from British Columbia, Canada, was the only team college team in Canada playing NCAA football. Uh, they were playing at the Division II level, and uh, they said they didn't have anywhere to play this year, but evidently they still have a valid contract to play at the Division II level in the United States this year, but the school decided uh, we're not going to field a team this year. So, um, you know, they still have a valid contract. Uh, the, the commissioner came out last week of the CFL saying that uh, he wanted uh, uh, the team to be accepted into the uh, U-Sports, which is Canada's version of the NCAA yeah. play up there. So this is still ongoing, and, and they say that this is going to be uh, looked at by the British Columbia Supreme Court oh boy. to see if they have a case. Uh, or if they're what take a it up. weird, just developing story every yeah. week. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know we've kind of been following Simon Fraser for a while because they are the only uh, Canadian team playing uh, in the NCAA. And uh, um, it, it was a shock to everybody a few weeks ago when they canceled their season for next year. So I don't know if it's... Like I said, it's still an ongoing story. We'll have more updates on this as uh, as we find out uh, what's going on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, another story, you brought this one to my attention. Former Ohio State uh, head coach Urban Myers, who coached Ohio State from 2012 to 2018, uh, has said that he at one time had a coach whose only job was to watch Michigan football games year-round. Uh, and and in doing that, he proceeded to go 7-0 and against Michigan, and uh, this was uh, was uh, from Barstool Sports. Yeah, that, it was a video, like a little. Yeah, it showed thing him talking was... at some uh, something at Ohio State. He was yeah. there for some reunion, something I don't know what it was. It's probably during their spring game, but could have been. But yeah, I just thought this was fascinating. You know, I'm sure it had to extend from just beyond the watching the games, but more like okay, player transactions. Yep. You know, all that sort of, anything they did. Could you imagine? They, were, they, That's they had your somebody job. knowing exactly what Michigan was doing. You're a secret Michigan fan, but you report to Ohio State. Like you, you keep track of everything they do. I wonder if he actually went to the games, you know, and just bought a ticket I'm, and sat in the stands. I'm sure they hooked him up with a sweet just streaming package to watch every single Michigan game. Could be. Oh boy. But I mean, it makes sense. It does. I mean, a lot of teams do that. You know, you have the somebody who's just meticulously just watching and critiquing and coming up with notes mm -hmm. on one team like homework every week is what did michigan do this week yeah i remember reading many years ago it might have been a book uh, on pop warner where he was coaching a team and he didn't coach the team one particular week because he he knew that his team was going to win so he instead he went to another state and watched their rivals or their opponents for the next week so that he knew what was going on with that other team so he let his assistant coaches coach the team. So I think that sort of thing has been happening forever. Oh, but, yeah. But to, to have a, a dedicated coach that all you do is 
give me information on Michigan. I would love to see that business card for that dude. Like, it's got the big Ohio State logo embossed on it. Michigan cord underneath. Uh, Joe Schmo, uh, Michigan Observer. Yeah. Head Michigan Observer. Some some cool title I'm sure they gave yep. him to put on the books. And speaking of Ohio State. Uh, over 75,000 fans attended their spring game this past weekend. A spring game. Yeah, I don't get that. Like, you go to the <laughs> Western Michigan spring game, it can be fun. But, like, for these bigger schools, I guess I just don't get it. Yeah. I guess it's like going to watch the Lions at training camp. But, like, still. But that at this point, though, it's April. And right. your team ain't going to field until September. Right. You've got four months. Some of these guys may not, might not even make the team. What are you getting invested in right now? It's just it's crazy to me. Well, I think it's but because they pack those stadiums like them in Alabama just pack those stadiums for a spring game. Well, I think some of these fans are they're so uh, dying to see some football because they haven't seen anything since the Super Bowl. Evidently, they don't know about the XFL, the USFL, the they indoor football don't league, to the, the National World of Football Arena. podcast, <laughs> where we talk nothing but football yeah, all it, year round. It it calms down your your football jitters when you think there's no football going on. You couldn't be more wrong. There's always football going on. There is never a break, and we're here to bring it to you. So, yeah, listen to us for a while. It'll it'll, it'll calm you down. Do you have the football itch? <laughs> we are doctor prescribed. <laughs> we, we've got what your rash is looking for. Wow. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it. Yeah. All right, and finally, in college news, Texas quarterback, future Texas quarterback, Arch Manning, uh, supposedly has the richest... Uh, name, image, and likeness contract in all of college football, and it's valued at $3.8 million. The kid's only 17 years old right now. So my question is, is he getting paid now at the age of 17, or does this maybe kick in once the college football season starts, and by then he should be 18 years old? I'm sure when he's actually 18, or whenever he's part of the university. But I think he uh, might have played or suited up for the spring game. He did in yeah, Texas. He was in his Texas uniform. So I mean, he's not. He's still a high school student. hasn't graduated from high school yet uh, that I know of. And uh, this just just surprises me that that he's got this biggest contract. And it's I think the second place one was like two point mm. four million dollars. Well, this is before he's even played a snap. Imagine, right? If he, yeah. So, but imagine if when he starts playing snaps, and then on top of that, imagine if he starts looking incredible. If he even looks like a fraction of Peyton and or Eli, that con- that NIL number mm-hmm. will just continue to go up. Yeah. And then he will get drafted and make even more money. But I mean, a 17-year-old kid with a with $3.8 million uh, sitting just out of reach. How many 17-year-olds right are on Twitch and YouTube <laughs> making that kind of money? They're all over the place. Well, these are gamers that do nothing but play video games all day, probably. Wow, you say that like that's a bad thing. These it kids is are a bad thing. Get a life, you nerds. They are, and they're making millions of dollars while you're sitting here in front of a microphone making buttkiss. Get a real job. Give me my fries with my Big Mac. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Old man Randy just showing his true colors over there. How's hey. retirement treating you? Hey, you little whippersnapper. Yeah, there it is. All right. Randy is the epitome of yelling at clouds and get off my lawn. I'd love for you to get on my lawn with a lawnmower sometime. You got a big yard. I hate I hate doing your it's yard. It's a writer. You, come on. It's like driving. All right. Let's uh, move on to uh, today's birthdays. Uh, April 18th, kicker Pete Gogolak turns 81 years old today. He played his college football at Cornell. 
He was selected in the 12th round of the 1964 American Football League draft by the Buffalo Bills. He played 11 pro seasons. He was with the Bills for two seasons in 64 and 65. And he was with the New York Giants from 66 to 74. He was the first soccer-style kicker in the NFL. Now, there's a a lot of controversy about this because at the time that he was uh, signed with the Bills, the NFL and the AFL had a kind of an agreement because they weren't, you know, technically merged yet. And they had like a gentleman's agreement that they were not going to sign players from the other league. Sure, they tr- they were um, fighting for new players, but if somebody was already signed, they would not go out and try to, you know, get them to come over to their team until this happened, mm-hmm. until the Giants went over and convinced him to sign with them. Huh. And so that was a real big deal at the time. Um, so... But yeah, uh, Pete Goglack, uh, happy birthday, 81 years old today. And then we've got uh, three obituaries today. This is where we take a moment and honor those who made the world of football a better place. The first obituary is that of Tracy Johnson, a running back in the NFL for eight seasons. He's passed away uh, from cancer at the age of 56. Johnson played college football at Clemson and was selected in the 10th round of the 1989 NFL draft by the Houston Oilers. He played for Houston in 1989. Uh, He also played for the Atlanta Falcons from 1990 to 91. He was with the Seattle Seahawks from 92 to 95, and he finished his playing career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1996. All right, our next obituary is that of Chris Smith, a defensive end in the NFL for eight seasons, has passed away at the age of 31. The cause of death has not been immediately released. Smith played college football at Arkansas and was selected in the fifth round of the 2014 NFL draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He played in Jacksonville from 2004 to 2016 or 2014 to 2016, excuse me. He was then traded to the Cincinnati Bengals where he played in 2017. He also played for the Cleveland Browns from 2018 to 2019, the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020, and the Houston Texans in 2021. He was recently playing for the Seattle Sea Dragons of the XFL. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I did not know that that he had been with the XFL. And when I found the story this morning, it, it kind of mentioned it in passing at the end of the article. Uh, but I wasn't sure, and I looked around for other uh uh, articles to confirm that he actually was playing in the XFL, and I finally did. Um, one article said he had five tackles with the uh, with the Sea Dragons. Dragons. So, and and the team put out a uh, a press release just a little while ago. Yeah, like right before we hit record. Yeah, yeah. because I hadn't seen anything from the team either. That's why I wasn't sure if it was true or not, yeah. or if somebody had gotten their facts wrong. So I didn't want to say that. But then, like you said, uh, the uh, the league and the uh, the team both put out press releases about that. So uh, very sad to hear. I, I'm 31 years old. Man, I don't know what the circumstances were. We'll have to wait and find out uh, what was going on there. But anyway, uh, our final obituary is that of Mark Arneson, a linebacker in the NFL for nine seasons. He's passed away at the age of 73. Arneson played college football at Arizona and was selected in the second round of the 1972 NFL draft by the St. Louis Cardinals. He played his entire career with the Cardinals from 1972 to 1980. Yeah, and what an appropriate transition to talk about uh, another Cardinal who played his entire career with them because uh, you wanted to bring up that we did something very unique yeah. uh, this week on yeah. the YouTube channel. Last uh, weekend, we went to our first XFL game, and uh, on our way home, we stopped at two cemeteries in St. Louis, 
and we found the final resting place of two, not one, but two Pro Football Hall of Famers, um, Larry Wilson, who played his entire career yep. with the uh, St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals, and Jimmy Conselman, who played for five different teams in the 1920s. He was a player, owner, coach, yeah. did it all. Yep. And they were both buried in neighboring cemeteries in St. Louis, and we found both of their graves. Needed a little help <laughs> on the first one especially. But, um, yeah, and so we've, we've got a video out there now uh, on our YouTube channel, and it's called Have Grave, Will Travel. And it's a we've series been talking, we're hoping to do. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, these, these two graves uh, were number 46 and number 47 on my list, so I've been to a lot of graves. You've been to some of them with me, not all of them. But, uh, like, you know, we've been to see George Gipps' grave. We've been to see um, Newt Rockney's grave together, uh, a few others. Um, I'm not sure uh, which ones, but, you know, uh, we were on this trip and we found out that there were two Hall of Famers buried in town. And we, we did a video. You did a very nice job of uh, cutting the footage of us in the cemetery as well as highlights from both of these guys' careers. Um, so everybody should go check that out. It's on our YouTube channel. It's called Have Grave, Will Travel. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else before we get into this week's history lesson? Uh, no news, but I mean, other than the news of this podcast, where remember earlier when I said we're going to have to try to stuff all this in under an hour? Uh-huh. We cracked the hour mark, and I we figured, haven't even reached the history I lesson I figured we yet. probably did. And it's a long history lesson this week, so why don't you tell us or set that up before we uh, right. send everybody over to that? Well, because of the start of the new USFL season, I thought it was uh, be a good thing to look back on the uh, 1983 to 1985 USFL. So that's our history lesson this week: the history of the 1983 to 1985 USFL. The United States Football League of today is a rebirth of a league that existed for three seasons from 1983 to 1985. While the new USFL is looking to be a feeder league to the NFL and the CFL, the original USFL was competing against the NFL for the best players they could find. The original USFL was the brainchild of David Dixon. He was an art and antiques dealer in New Orleans. He announced the formation of the league on May 11, 1982. The USFL played in the spring, allowing many teams to play in NFL stadiums. The league kicked off in 1983 with 12 teams. The Michigan Panthers, Chicago Blitz, Boston Breakers, Birmingham Stallions, Arizona Wranglers, New Jersey Generals, Denver Gold, Philadelphia Stars, Los Angeles Express, Washington Federals, Tampa Bay Bandits, and the Oakland Invaders. The league played an 18-game schedule, mostly by NFL rules, but there were a few differences. For one, the USFL had a two-point conversion option after a touchdown was scored. The NFL did not adopt the two-point conversion until 1994. The USFL also implemented an instant replay system in 1985 to assist officials on the field. Coaches used a red challenge flag to dispute a call on the field. A replay official in the booth would look at the play and decide whether to overturn or uphold the call. It would be another 14 years before the NFL implemented instant replay on a full-time basis in 1999. The 1983 championship game was played at Mile High Stadium in Denver between the Michigan Panthers and the Philadelphia Stars. Michigan won the game 24-22. In 1984, six more teams were added. The Pittsburgh Maulers, 
Jacksonville Bulls, San Antonio Gunslingers, Houston Gamblers, Oklahoma Outlaws, and Memphis Showboats. The second USFL championship game was played in Tampa, Florida, and saw the Philadelphia Stars defeat the Arizona Wranglers 23-3. A month later, the Stars and the Tampa Bay Bandits traveled to London, England, and played an exhibition game at Wembley Stadium. The Stars won that game 24-21. Billionaire Donald Trump bought the New Jersey Generals team in 1984. The USFL had been doing okay in the spring, but Trump wanted the league to play in the fall in direct competition with the NFL. In anticipation of the move to the fall, some teams either moved, merged, or folded before the 1985 season. The Michigan Panthers merged with the Oakland Invaders. The Philadelphia Stars became the Baltimore Stars. The Washington Federals became the Orlando Renegades. The New Orleans Breakers became the Portland Breakers and the Oklahoma Outlaws merged with the Arizona Wranglers to become the Arizona Outlaws. The Chicago Blitz and the Pittsburgh Maulers both folded, leaving the league with 14 teams. The third and final USFL championship game was played at Giant Stadium and saw the Baltimore Stars defeat the Oakland Invaders 28-24. The USFL then sued the NFL in district court, claiming that they had a monopoly on professional football in the United States. The trial began in May of 1986. It lasted for 44 days, and in the end, the jury sided with the USFL. The league was hoping to receive $500 million in damages, but the jury awarded them just $1. By law, that amount was automatically tripled to $3. The USFL folded soon after. In 1990, after four years of appeals in court, and with interest added on, the NFL wrote a check for $3.76 to the USFL. It was never cashed. A 1986 fall USFL schedule had been released while the trial was going on, with eight teams, but that season was never played. The Baltimore Stars, New Jersey Generals, Memphis Showboats, Arizona Outlaws, Birmingham Stallions, Orlando Renegades, Tampa Bay Bandits and Jacksonville Bulls were the teams that would have played in 1986. Many well-known NFL players played in the USFL, including four Heisman Trophy winners, quarterback Doug Flutie, running back Herschel Walker, running back Mike Rogier, and running back Archie Griffin. Other players included wide receiver Anthony Carter, quarterback Bobby Hebert, linebacker Ray Bentley, quarterback Brian Sipe, and quarterback Doug Williams, to name a few. Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Reggie White, and Sam Mills, who also played in the USFL, all went on to become members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Many well-known coaches also spent time in the USFL. Steve Spurrier, George Allen, Jim Mora, Jack Pardee, Lee Corso, Chuck Fairbanks, and Marv Levy. Levy is also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If the USFL had remained playing in the spring, many people believe it would have been around for many years to follow. Ironically, thanks to the USFL winning a lawsuit against the NFL, we will just never know. Yeah, I wanted to keep calling this the original USFL, but uh, as it turns out, there's actually a USFL that predates the USFL we all think about from the 80s. Yeah, I I saw that and I'm... I'm 
don't have any information on it, so eventually that'll probably be another history lesson. The uh, original, original I, U.S. When I do go back and find out, I think it was in the 1940s mm. uh, is what I read. So, yeah, I, we were going to call this the original USFL, but technically it's, I guess it's not. So, yeah. um, Just to avoid confusion later right, on down the road. Right. But, yeah, the, the team names and everything, logos are are from the 83 to 85 seasons of the uh, USFL. So that's what they're using now. Okay, uh, let's wrap this thing up here. Upcoming events calendar. Thursday, April 27th, the NFL Draft in Kansas City. Tuesday, May 2nd, the CFL Draft takes place up in Toronto. May 13th, the XFL Championship game in San Antonio. Will those Brahmas be playing in the XFL Championship in in their home stadium? I'm going to go out on a limb and say (laughs) probably not. Uh, Yeah, probably not. Uh, Let's see. Friday, May 22nd, the CFL preseason begins. Thursday, June 8th, the CFL regular season begins. Boy, I can't wait for that. And finally on our list, uh, Thursday, August 3rd, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Oh, man. So a jam-packed couple of months coming up here. No rest for the weary. Uh, We're going to be everywhere. (laughs) We are, especially, so we got, for us personally, we got uh, a PFRA thing this upcoming weekend. Yep. And then the weekend after that is the NFL draft. So yep. we'll be plopping down on the couch to watch NFL draft coverage all weekend. Yep. And then we'll be going to Detroit for a USFL game at Ford Field. Very excited yep, about that. The day that. after the draft. So. Day after the draft. Uh, it'll be man, crazy. Oh man. It'll be crazy. But uh, get hey, your, get your sleep now while you can. I can't even get that. Shoot. But I mean, what a good time to be football fans. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we, we market ourselves as finding football year-round, and when you can actually live it, it's exhausting at certain times, but it's it is so fun. It's a lot of so fun, fun, but yes, it is exhausting. It's so much, and depending on if you have to travel like we did, it's so worth it, though. I mean, oh, yeah. road trips, and or even just plopping down on the couch and watching, having simulcasting the XFL and USFL on yeah. the TV at the same Get time. On, got one game on recall, and you're watching one. Oh, commercial, go to the it's XFL Either picture-in-picture picture or side-by-side, side, you yep. know, whatever you got to do. Yep. So. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to be a football fan. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we've got for this week. We've gone so long this week. Man, and we didn't even talk about the arena football stuff we were going to do, but that is going to be a video later. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking more about arena football in the, in the days to come. Uh, let's see. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we have done our job, which we're not getting paid for. Uh, visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. Send your money to me because I'm not getting paid for this, apparently. Uh, I was misled. Uh, You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can find the full audio version of the show on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at symbol the world of football easy way to find it or you can just go in the search bar and look for the world of football kalamazoo you should be able to find us thanks to that nifty world of football logo we got out there uh and trust us you'll should be able to find it because it's got an american style football and not a soccer ball those other world (laughs) of footballs are imitators that's right uh we are often duplicated but uh never ever with the same amount of charm that randy and i have uh 
Let's see where else I went off script here. We are also on Amazon Music. Simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast, and you will hear the dulcet tones and bickering of Randy and Adam Snow in your ear holes. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's up to you. Um, also, uh, feel free to subscribe, rate, review, give us a like on every single one of those platforms. We love <laughs> engagement. We love you know, interacting with everybody. We try to interact with everybody. Uh, because it's actually been so much fun, especially in the comments of the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, finding out all these people who, you know, have been to the cemetery we've been, you know, we right. went to. Yeah. A guy who worked there. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who are in some of the places we visited. People who've been at the games we've been to. It's been so cool and so fun interacting with you guys in this space. And, you know, just know that you're not alone out there. You right. Know, and enjoying all this stuff because... You got us. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I went really off script let us, here. Let us lead the way. Okay, find a way to work that in. Let us lead the way of your yeah. football journey. Um, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. And please, let me be a part of not only the football journey, but the football conversation. And remember, folks, some people may love football, football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than we do. Until next time. But we'll try and do a better job and spend less time talking. And try to get it under an hour, because yeah. that's Randy's favorite thing. Yeah. I'm Randy Snow. And I'm uh, Adam Snow, who likes to go on tangents quite often. Beginning of the show, middle of the show, and at the very end of the show, till Randy tells me to cut off the microphone. Yeah, you're the reason we went over an hour this week. And you're the reason I drink. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>